This presentation has been previously broadcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You expire, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O font of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in you. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in you. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world eternal father i offer you 
the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. And for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world holy god Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we may not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Help, pray for us. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Pray for us. Saint Faustina. Pray for us. Saint John Paul II. Pray for us. And all you angels and saints. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Noel Merring, she wrote a book called Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of this progressive ideology that's infecting our country. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think we have to distinguish is that church is a human institution, but it's also a divine institution. The truth is also in the sacramental life of the church. Yeah. Staying close to the sacraments is how we have truth in our hearts, that through the confession, through knowing ourselves, and through growing closer to Christ. But the only way that this transformation of the church and the society is going to come 
is through faithful Catholics living the fullness of the faith as closely as they possibly can. So while it's utterly discouraging to see corruption in the church, the church has been a target of this movement for a long time, as with the family. So there's going to be corruption, but there's also excellent, beautiful, amazing holy shepherds as well. I think we have to be warriors, but happy warriors. You know, we have to fight this fight and be courageous, but also have hope. The Drew Mariani Show. The latest news and the issues of the day through the eyes of our faith. 2 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio. I just wanted to share that a year ago when I started listening to the Divine Mercy, I've never prayed it as intensely as I have with you and prayed the rosary with Father Rocky. Anyways, I was praying for my three adult children to come back to their faith. And I can tell you that I have two that have returned and are even reading their Bible now. Wow. We're talking about doing a Bible study as a family together. And if you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have said, no, there, there's no way, you know. But thank you, Jesus. Two of them are back and we're praying for the third one. And she's sounding like she's going to go back to. You know, I just love that story because <laughs> that's another one of those things. You know, people with addiction and kids away from the faith. They often think that, you know, oh, those prayers are never going to be answered. My prayers aren't working. You're a Monica that has seen the fruit of your prayer, and I'm so grateful for your call. The Divine Mercy Chaplet, part of the Drew Mariani Show, 3 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com. Slash Forrester. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. It's 12 minutes past the hour. I'm Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com, filling in for Drew today. Our correspondent, Matt Beardsley, was out at the March for Life and was able to go out and talk to quite a few people, including Abby Johnson. And we have that interview right now for you. Hey, we are here. We're backstage at the March for Life with a woman who needs no introduction, Abby Johnson. Abby, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So this could be the last time that we talk like this in January for the March for Life as we know it now, we could have a very different situation come up in June. That's right. I mean, this is an exciting time. I think no matter what, I think the the ruling in June is going to change things in the U.S. as far as abortion. I do not think the court is going to come back and say, we're not changing anything, right? I don't think they're going to come back and say, well, we're just going to leave things the way they are. So no matter what, whether they completely overturn Roe or whether they say, you know, the states can limit abortion, you know, past 15 weeks or something, I believe that no matter what, we are going to see a victory. And so, you know, we are feeling energized here in the pro-life movement. I think for the first time, the pro-life movement, the first time in 49 years, the pro-life movement is finally on the offensive. And we're not, you know, defending ourselves. We are really finally on the offense. And the the pro-choice movement, the, the, the pro-abortion lobby, they're feeling it. And we can see that in our own ministry, and then there were none. December was a, a record month for us with abortion clinic workers leaving the industry. They're telling us morale is low in the abortion industry. The clinics are hurting. 
they're feeling the pressure of the pro-life movement, and that is a good place for us to be. Well, last time you and I spoke, a couple of years ago, we first time ever, President Trump was here, and it was just amazing to have a sitting president. That happens, and now, like you said, the trend that's happening in December, morale is low in the abortion industry. People are leaving in droves, and now we could be on the cusp of a complete game changer. It's just so amazing. Uh, I know that you really don't have a lot going on in your life, but you do. I'm kidding. Um, you have something new coming out, too, don't you? I do, yeah. March 1st, I have a new book coming out. Uh, it's called Fierce Mercy. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to write something, just sort of a continuation of, of what's been happening in my life since Unplanned came out. And uh, But I wanted to write something that was not just about being pro-life, not just about the pro-life movement. And so I wanted to write about how I have seen God's mercy transform my life, how God's mercy can transform other people's lives, and how we can really live out God's mercy every day in our own lives, and how we can extend that mercy to the most vulnerable among us. And when's the release date again? March 1st, and you can pre-order now on Amazon. Cool. And, um, you know, talking about God working mercy in, in your life, um, with what you do with and then there were none, How's everything going with that right now? I mean, I know you guys are getting busier and busier, especially with everything happening. Yeah, we're up now to 610 workers who have left the industry, who have come into relationship with Christ, whose lives have just been completely transformed because of God's mercy. They're seeking redemption. They're seeking healing. Um, and it's just incredible. Um, we've seen over 25 abortion clinics close. Um, because of, of the, the courage of these workers coming forward, sharing what they know, going to officials, sharing the deplorable conditions that are inside of these facilities. Um, you know, their courage is really contagious in this movement, and they're encouraging other people to come forward. You know, women who have had abortions, men who have participated in abortions, encouraging them to come forward with our stories. Our stories are so powerful. And, uh, and so it's just really amazing to see what God is doing in the pro-life movement right now. Uh, just three more things for you. I'll let you go. Um, number one, what could you say to somebody who's listening or watching right now that was in your position years ago that maybe in the abortion industry has, is having second thoughts and, you know, wants to make a change? I would say go to abortionworker.com, listen to the stories, watch the testimonies of people who have left who have been in that position. You do not have to live in that bondage. You do not have to. Um, you don't have to live in that in that um, turmoil anymore. And that's what it is. It feels like angst. It feels like turmoil. And there is freedom. There is joy outside of that those clinic walls. And we we can help you find it. We want to help you find it. And we want to help you find that peace that that you can only find outside of that abortion facility. So, and then there were none. How, how do they get in touch with you that way? They can go to abortionworker.com. We have a 24-hour hotline. They can call us. They can text us. They can email us. We are always available. And how do I get the book? Yep, just go to Amazon.com. Uh, you can just Google Abby Johnson or uh, type in Abby Johnson, type in Fierce Mercy. You can pre-order the book, and uh, I would love for, love for people to do that. Abby, thank you so much. Stay tuned for more coming up, Fast for Life. 
That was Matt Beardsley talking to Abby Johnson at the March for Life. I'm Ed Morrissey. Joining us now is Mary Louise Hedgensbaugh, former Miss Wisconsin, who has spoken to more than 180,000 youth about chastity. She served as Respect Life Director under Cardinal Francis George for seven years in the Archdiocese of Chicago. She's now the stay-at-home mother of three children and is chair of the State Pro-Life Political Action Committee, Illinois Citizens for Ethics, which you can find at ICE-PAC.com, ICE-PAC.com. Mary Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. This is a great day for the pro-life movement. It is a great day for the pro-life movement, and we have so many of our listeners who are participating in the Fast for Life. We'll talk a little bit about that after the break. But uh, so many of our, our listeners are, are participating. Either they're there at the March for Life or they're, or they're participating by listening to all of this, following it online, and doing the Fast for Life. And, and I think it speaks, Mary Louise, to the, to the idea that we can't just mouth these issues. We have to live them. And, and you have some thoughts on how we should discern whether or not we are living these values that we are espousing, especially on today. Yes. You know, whatever walk of life you're in, whether you're um, a young mom, whether you're a teenager, um, whether you're a grandfather, um, or a single young man, you have a place in the pro-life movement, and you can be doing something right now. There is so much opportunity today in the pro-life movement. If you're a post-abortive woman, you can go to hopeafterabortion.com and uh, get connected with healing, and then you can reach out to other post-abortive women to help them heal. If you're a priest, you can provide um uh, counseling to post-abortive women through Project Rachel and help women um, and men also uh, through Project Joseph to heal. Um, you can um, counsel at a crisis pregnancy center. You can donate to uh, a maternity home. There are just myriad ways. If you're a married couple, you can um, adopt a child. These are all just so many different ways that people can get involved, and there are even more ways as well. Well, there are, and I mean, we just were listening to Abby Johnson, for instance, who who founded the ministry, and then there were none, uh, which is um, designed to help people who work in the abortion industry escape from that industry and and embrace the pro life cause. And, and I think that having all of these, having all of this debate taking place, right, with the with the Supreme Court, with the oral arguments in in, in Dobbs that took place a couple of weeks ago. I don't think abortion is ever far from the forefront of American politics, but I think it it is certainly front and center at the moment. I mean, it's 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 practically every day now that there's some reference to Roe v. Wade and what the Supreme Court's got going on. We just had a Supreme Court decision handed down yesterday that really relates to the um, uh, decision that they're going to end up having to make on Dobbs, and I think it really does call us to 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 think clearly about how we are not just arguing the legal finery, which is always fun. I mean, it's always fun to debate that, but also how we are upholding life as a principle. And for those of us who are in politics, those of us who are in, you know, involved in cultural commentary and that sort of thing, I think, it's, I think it really does call us to make sure that we are consistent in that across all different kinds of disciplines, across all different kinds of issues. About the about the necessity to un, to to recognize the the sacramental nature of human life above all other things. 
Absolutely. And, you know, these are, you'll often encounter in your daily life opportunities to do that. So when you're on Facebook and you see somebody post um, a pro-abortion article, you can engage them with the simple question, do you believe science is real? And if you just start with that question, and then you point to standard embryology textbooks, and then you point to women being harmed by abortion, but in a very gentle way, you know, you can expect to be attacked, but it's important to be that voice of dissension, you know, to to just probe that person a little bit, not to be obnoxious, like, oh, you're in favor of murdering babies, but to say, do you believe science is real? And then if so, well, you know, science agrees human life begins at fertilization to, to do that. Or, for example, at your child's school, do you know what's in that library at school? You know, these libraries have... Um, basically like a charter or a selection policy at school districts saying that all viewpoints must be represented. So if there is a book such as Jack, Not Jackie, about you know, kind of promoting transgenderism to young children, maybe recommend, you know, uh, I would like to donate Elephants Are Not the, the last name of the book it's like elephants are not birds or so oh yeah that is the name actually yeah elephants are not birds you know so there's there's an opportunity um wherever you're at if you have children in the public school to get engaged with uh what is being taught uh in terms of the um sex education curriculum what is being provided in the school libraries um to uh, get involved helping your very local candidates for state representative or for school board, or even think about becoming a candidate yourself. But really, it's time for us to engage on every level, on education, politics, activism, praying outside abortion clinics, financially donating. Um, it's now is a really pivotal moment, and you can participate in making a difference. By the way, um, Elephants Are Not Birds is the name of the is the name of the book. It's written by Ashley St. Clair, and you should be able to find it on online. Uh, and, and this is we've got about a minute left, uh, Mary Louise. And I think what really this gets down to is how committed we are to truth, right? How committed we are mm -hmm. to objective truth. How committed we are to gospel truth, um, mm -hmm. because they go together. And, and I think that our current culture shows what happens when you try to move away from objective truth is that you really lose the gospel truth. Yes. And, you know, I hope that every listener will take a moment or two today to just pray to the Holy Spirit. You are being called to a place in the pro-life movement, and you have a special gift that no one else can bring. And so take a moment today to pray to the Holy Spirit. Maybe, you're, maybe your vocation is prayer. Maybe you can offer a rosary a day for uh, an end to abortion in our country. Um, whatever your vocation might be, but just take um, a few moments today to pray to the Holy Spirit to guide you to find your spot in the pro-life movement and what you can do to make a difference. Mary Louise, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, on this day, on the March for Life Day. I mean, this is a, a great day to be here and a great day to be on the air. And so Mary Louise uh, Hengisbaugh, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget to go check out the website for the Illinois Citizens for Ethics. Uh, that's ICE-PAC.com, ICE-PAC.com. I'm Ed Morrissey, filling in for Drew Mariani. We'll be right back.
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. It's 29 minutes past the hour. I'm Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com filling in for Drew today. And by the way, I just wanted to remind people you can still join the Fast for Life effort here at Relevant Radio. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash fast. And if you can't find it that way or somehow it doesn't, uh, if that doesn't work for you, uh, and I have fat fingers on keyboards all the time, so I run into those problems. Just go to RelevantRadio.com, look for the banners that will take you to the uh, Fast for Life, or you can go to the Relevant Radio app and do the same thing. You sign up there. You uh, can then uh, put on your social media accounts that you've joined the hashtag Fast for Life, and just ask, you know, what t- what sacrifice are you going to make today? You know, just whatever small sacrifice that you can think of. Uh, you know, I- again, we've got... Um, uh, Jennifer from uh, Ladera Ranch, California, says no meat on Friday, no Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Um, I don't know. I don't do TikTok, so I guess I, I could I could have thrown that one in there. I didn't, but I could have. Um, that's not really much of a sacrifice, though. Uh, and I'm sure that for Jennifer, it's much more of a sacrifice. And uh, there's just a whole lot of great folks here at Relevant Radio who are pitching in just to just to have a prayerful moment um, of fasting today in support of the March for Life, in support of the effort to end abortion in the United States. So join us. Uh, we've got over 7,000 participants now, and we're adding more every, hopefully every minute at relevantradio.com slash fast, relevantradio.com slash fast. And of course, if you haven't already done so, you can download the Relevant Radio app and access it that way. And the Relevant Radio app is terrific. So I highly recommend that. Let's turn our attention now to uh, to the law and the courts, because we have um, we have a we we might have something coming up in uh, on Thursday. The Equal Rights Amendment might become ratified. It won't, but but some people are arguing that it does. Joining us to discuss this is Douglas Johnson. He he was the longtime legislative director of the National Right to Life Committee. He's now the director of their ERA project, an issue which on which he has written and worked for 40 years. You can find them online at nrlc.org. Douglas, I mean, this takes me back. I mean, I I was a teenager when when they first started floating the ERA out to the states for ratification and when they first started arguing for extensions to the to the um uh expiration date on this i right had no idea right. about this <laughs> well it, it, it's something to take seriously uh the the era was sent out of congress 50 years ago in march of 1972 and congress in its wisdom included a ratification deadline in the resolution they said uh, it had to be ratified if it was going to be ratified within seven years. That did not occur, and so for uh, for many years, uh, everybody agreed that the ERA was dead. And indeed, the ERA supporters even tried and failed to start over in Congress. But at a certain point, they concocted a theory in the early 1990s that, to simplify it a little, deadlines don't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah. And after after decades of Toiling away on the basis of that theory, they finally got 
three more states to pass resolutions which purported to ratify the, the expired ERA. And now they are pushing forward the claim that that was successful. So there are several prongs to this. One prong is in the federal courts. They're making this argument to court. So far, they have not been uh, successful. They have been markedly unsuccessful. But they are also pressing it in the political branches. And indeed, the House of Representatives has passed a resolution that purports to retroactively repeal the deadline. Um, now, that has not passed the Senate. I do think the Senate will vote on it in the months ahead. And we're very hopeful of, of seeing it defeated. Um, they're also pressing the Biden administration to just say it so, to just publish the ERA and say that it's part of the Constitution. And indeed, various uh, ERA advocacy groups are having a rally next week in Washington to deliver petitions to the Justice Department and so forth. Because, of course, that's the way we're supposed to resolve legal issues in this country, right? You put political right. pressure on. Um, so that's what they're demanding, however. So this isn't part of battle for public perception. They want to create a perception that they're on the cusp of victory and, and an environment in which perhaps they think some judges will be afraid to say that it ain't so. Uh, this is of concern to national right to life, of course, because we've long recognized that this language of the 1972 ERA, were it to become part of the Constitution, would lend itself to use as a very powerful pro-abortion legal weapon. Uh, for many years, back in the 80s, for example, 90s, and even as recently as two years ago, uh, prominent supporters of ERA were denying this, or at least deflecting the question. But the mask has come off, Ed. Uh, they're now not only acknowledging that it is the case, but they're using it as one of their chief rallying cries. They are proclaiming they need the ERA now because Roe versus Wade may be going down the tubes, and this would be a replacement for it actually in the Constitution. So what we've been saying for decades, they now have belatedly acknowledged and indeed are using as one of their major selling points. Yeah, very interesting, Douglas. And and, and look, I mean, I... I... I, I I was I know you've written about this and I I, I recall that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg really just shortly before her death I want to say two or three years ago um, was was arguing that this really should just start over uh, and I'd almost argue that they might have an easier time of it if they did um, you'd have to get Congress to well there's two different ways to do this you can get Congress by a two thirds vote in each chamber to pass a resolution for a uh, for the for a constitutional amendment which would go nowhere because you're not going to get two-thirds in either chamber as it's currently constituted or you can do an article 5 convention but you'd have to get the states to go along with that um i'm or I'm curious or or they could write a, a different language and try to build consensus because that's what the constitutional scheme right. was that you would need a very high level of consensus Exactly. to amend the Constitution. And they, you're correct, they would not have that consensus on this language because everybody now knows that it's a blank check uh, on abortion and actually on quite a number of other things. Back in 1972, uh, when this was debated in Congress and early on in the ratification process, nobody was thinking about that. Both the majority of the states that ratified did so before Roe versus Wade was even handed down. Um, 
and of course, even after uh, even after that, as I said, they denied that there was any connection for decades. Um, but now, now the mask is off, and uh, obviously they wouldn't be able to get that kind of language through Congress by two-thirds votes anymore, and they know it. And they're not willing uh, to have an ERA that doesn't do those things. Um, and so they're trying this, I, I would call it an assault on the integrity of the constitutional amendment process itself. I mean, if they could pull this off, then Katie bar the door, uh, the, the right. courts would be legitimating bait and switches a bait and switch executed across generations where one congress by the required two-thirds vote approves one thing and a later congress 50 years later changes it not by two-thirds votes now but by majority votes so right. you'd never really know what you were voting on when you voted on a constitutional amendment whether in congress or in a state legislature because a later congress might reach back in time and retroactively change the deal. Now, that's pretty outrageous. And, you know, that's what they're trying to do. They they hope if they can get the Biden administration to say it so and or get the Congress to say it so that the courts will be afraid to say it ain't so. Um, so far, they haven't gotten the Biden administration to say that, but they're still working on it. And they have gotten the House of Representatives to say it but they don't have the votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster on this issue. Right. Um, and uh, I do expect it to come to a vote uh, probably in the spring, which will be the 50th anniversary of uh, the ERA going out to the states. And every senator will have to go on record on whether he wants to advance this scheme to put this language into the Constitution. Well, we're speaking with Douglas Johnson of the National Right to Life Committee, NRLC.org, and taking your calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Speaking about the ERA and this sort of backdoor attempt to almost, you know, there was there was this, it came up several years ago where the House deemed something as having been passed based on a rules committee vote and um, it created quite a stir. This seems like sort of a, a way, sort of like an attempt to deem a constitutional amendment ratified. And and look, I mean, I I would normally say I don't think the Senate would take up a vote on something that stupid that's clearly going to fail, um, except after this week. <laughs> you can't say that. I mean, uh, the Senate took up a vote on something dumb that they knew was going to fail. They did it anyway, and it failed. And and uh, and supposedly it was you know, had didactic value. I, I think it's going to backfire, but that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other issue. So clearly this is something that, that could happen, but I think that the federal courts, the federal courts have actually weighed in on this quite a bit. And I think the federal courts would not have much of a problem telling Congress that this is not the way things work, especially perhaps, especially this Supreme court. Well, one would hope so. And, and, you know, there have been a number of court decisions as early as 1981 and as recently as 2021 on different components of this, what I call ERA revivalism. Um, right. And, and across the board, federal judges have uh, given short shrift or rebuffed these efforts. But not all of the issues have been addressed. And, of course, they, they are continuing to throw this before more judges now. In March of 2021, uh, the three states, the three states that ratified long after the deadline, 
being Virginia, Nevada, and Illinois, sued the archivist, which is a federal official who publishes, you know, constitutional amendments, for not publishing the ERA, and it went before a judge named Rudolph Contreras in the federal court here in the District of Columbia, who was appointed by President Obama. And he heard extensive arguments, not only from those three states, but from five states that are against the ERA. And he handed down a ruling in March that was really a devastating blow to the ERA revivalists. He he ruled that Congress had the power to set a deadline, and they had, and therefore that the actions by Virginia, Nevada, and Illinois were not really ratifications, that they, they came much too late. Um, now, that's being appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, but that's the most recent pronouncement by the federal courts, again, by an appointee of President Obama. Um, the, the ERA advocacy groups never mention that decision, and all of their press releases they're sending out today and next week and the press conferences and so on about the supposed ERA going into effect next week, they don't mention uh, the most recent federal court decision that's directly on point. They only talk about, you know, the Trump administration and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, so I would hope the courts would continue to see that this is just really uh, an outrageous construct, a political construct dressed up as constitutional law and go with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg position that you really have to start over. And if that right. means that you have to make some changes in language to get the votes, that's the way it's supposed to work. But they don't want to go through that process. Well, and I think it's because this process, the process that has already occurred here has probably um, soured the waters a bit for this. And again, we're speaking with Douglas Johnson, taking your calls at 888-914-9149. The other thing, too, that that uh, and you do you write about this as well. And I recall these fights almost from uh, 40 years ago. Maybe I have the history on this just a little stretched out. I'm, I'm not sure you can, you can tell me if I'm right or not. But there were states that wanted to rescind their, um, uh, rescind their earlier ratifications, actually voted to rescind their earlier ratifications. And uh, the argument has been that a, a rescission is not allowed under the Constitution. But if you have states changing their mind in one direction, shouldn't you then allow the states to change their mind in the other direction. Um, and that would keep it from being at 38 states as well. Well, that's a, you make a good point. Um, this is a separate issue from the deadline. Right. And it, it's an issue that's, in my mind, not as definitive with respect to precedent or case law. And the reason it's not definitive is it's never been dispositive. There's never been a constitutional amendment where rescissions made the difference between whether it would or wouldn't become law. Um, and, and so it's uh, one can argue it either way, but as you say, there were four states actually that did rescind formally before the original deadline of March 1979. Two of those states are interveners in this pending case that I've mentioned. Um, and if the courts ever somehow decided that the deadline was, uh, you know, removable retroactively, or that it didn't count in the first place, then they would have to deal with this rescissions issue. Um, because they don't get to three quarters of the states if those four rescissions are valid. But so far, that just hasn't been a dispositive issue with respect to the ERA. If the deadline was valid, that's the end of it. They right. died in 1979, and they have to start over. Uh, and uh, 
So I, I don't know that the courts are ever going to reach this rescission issue. But if they do, it's a thorny one. It is a thorny one, but then again, so is the idea that the that the deadlines don't work. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about what the ERA, what the impact of the ERA would be if it was recognized as valid. We're not saying that it's going to be, but what would the what would the language that was written 50 years ago? How would that impact us today, even beyond the abortion issue? How would that how would that impact us? We'll talk more about that. Uh, with Douglas Johnson when we come back. I'm Ed Morrissey filling in for Drew Mariani. Stay tuned. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. It's like a civics class on the radio. The Drew Mariani Show. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. It's 48 minutes past the hour. I'm Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com, filling in for Drew and speaking with Douglas Johnson from the National Right to Life Committee, NRLC.org. We're talking about the, uh, the machinations that are going to be attempted to try to deem the Equal Rights Amendment as having been ratified, and uh, Douglas has just been giving us a great, some great background on that. In just a minute, we're going to cut away to uh, Matt Beardsley for updates on the March for Life. But Douglas, I want to, I want to finish up with you here on this, on this point. Is is that you talked about the fact that the ERA, if it was applied today as it's written, would have a major impact on abortion. Just at the same time that we might be getting away from Roe v. Wade. What other impacts, though? could we expect to see from an ERA as written? Well, the advocates for it in their inner councils and their articles and so forth have very expansive plans for it. And there's not time really to get into much detail, but basically they believe it would bring the most severe judicial scrutiny to bear on any government law or policy that had a, quote, disparate impact, unquote, on one sex uh, as opposed to the other sex. Right. So anything, not not just things now that overtly distinguish between men and women, but policies that they think in some indirect way based on studies or statistics or whatever have a differing impact uh, on men and women collectively. So that is really a, a license for judicial legislation uh, in any number of realms. And that is what they think it it, it would do. And it would also empower Congress to pass laws based on those kinds of notions. So um, that it could cut a very wide swath. It is by no means uh, just going to recapitulate existing law. um, And that's, that's, that's the popular, I mean, that is really the popular perception of this right is that well most of this has already been adopted anyway through you know various different court cases and that sort of thing obergefell being one of them um you know that that more or less they've used the 14th amendment the courts have used the 14th amendment to pretty much ratify everything that you're going to be able to do through the through the era anyway but that's a that's not necessarily true and b supreme court precedents can be reversed later on and when when circumstances change that's in fact, one of the things we're hoping for with Roe, there, and, there's a and, prominent there's, there's a prominent pro uh, ERA activist attorney named Kate Kelly. She's now a counsel for the 
U.S. House of Representatives uh, Oversight and Reform Committee. And uh, on a webinar last March, she started talking about Section 3, uh, Section 2 of the ERA, which is the section that gives Congress the power to enforce the ERA. And she called, she referred to it as a good Trojan horse or, and I quote her directly, a positive pinata, let's say, of potential <laughs> legislation. We get this Equal Rights Amendment, and then there's all this great candy that we can get inside. It's a way to think about it as a much more impactful amendment than maybe folks realize, end of quote. So here's a prominent advocate speaking to friends, okay, um, about what they really have in mind here. They wanna to go to town with this. They by no means are going through all this work to get something that they think is redundant. That's, that's a very good point too. Douglas Johnson, uh, where can people f go to find out more about the risks of this um, this sort of backdoor effort to deem the ERA as ratified? Well, it, there's a lot of stuff on our website at nrlc.org. We have a whole section there on the ERA, and including a very, uh, a, what we call a quote sheet, which is dozens of footnoted quotations from major pro-abortion groups about what they think they can do with this on abortion, how it would be better than Roe versus Wade, and so forth. So it's not just us saying it. We have the documentation of them saying it. And there's also a Twitter account for those on Twitter. Uh, it's not an official National Right to Life account, uh, but I contribute to it, as, as do some others. It's called ERA No Shortcuts, all one word, ERA No Shortcuts. And it covers developments on all of these matters we've been discussing in the, in the Congress, the courts, uh, what, what's going on in the state legislatures, and so forth. Well, I'm going to go over and follow that one myself because I think that that sounds very interesting. At ERA, no shortcuts. And uh, that way you can, uh, like uh, like Douglas Johnson just got done saying, you can be alerted to the very latest of those developments. But you can go to nrlc.org, nrlc.org, and go to their ERA um, uh, section of the website. Find out more. Douglas, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Douglas Johnson again from the NRLC, nrlc.org. Joining us now again from the March for, March for Life is Matt Beardsley, our correspondent on the scene. Matt, what's the latest from the March for Life? President Biden's uh, helicopter just flew by our window, but I think it's a little late is if he was right? going to the march. <laughs> no, I, I actually am be, being serious That would be a development. That. that would be a development. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> It he did it did fly by our window and it, I watched it land on the lawn of the White House. I didn't even know he was in town, but you know, all seriousness, yeah, we weren't expecting him to be there, um, which is which is sad because you know in 2020, uh, first time president ever, regardless of what anybody thinks about politics, the fact that a, a sitting president came to the March for Life and spoke in person, took the time to do that, um, that was a big deal. And now here we are on the cusp of a lot of changes happening. So things are starting to wind down, but you know, Ed, the excitement is still here. I'm going to be pumped for another few hours, just feeding off the, all the energy the, and the positivity that people have had today. So it's been about, uh, well, it's been almost two hours since the last time we talked about this. Uh, what, what has transpired in, in, that, in that period of time? Is there, there, there's still um, events going on uh, out there, or is this really, again, uh, sort of in that uh, period between events where, where people are just uh, getting together, socializing, strengthening, strengthening each other for the, uh, for the walk to come, so to speak? Yeah, this is really the time where things kind of wind down. People get back to their hotels. Generally, the march gets over about three, between three and four. 
people get back to the hotels, relax a little bit, and then they go out do some socializing. The Rose Dinner will be tonight again. I had mentioned uh, Father right. Mike Schmitz is speaking at that, and um, that's in the hotel next door at the Renaissance. And uh, I'm actually going to be speaking to Relevant Radio's own Dan Axt, who does everybody hears him every night. They hear his name every night from Father Rocky on the Rosary, uh, on the Family Rosary across America. But uh, they can see him this evening. I'm going to be interviewing him in just a little bit. It is Dan's first March for Life, Ed. He's a, he's a Wisconsin native. He's from Milwaukee. He's been with Relevant Radio a little over a year. So I'm going to get reaction from him on his experience of his very first March for Life, which, like we mentioned before, it could be the last March for Life, but we'll, we'll wait to see on that. The last March for Life, while Roe is still uh, a controlling precedent, and that's what we're yes, crossing our absolutely. fingers for. Yeah. We're pretty sure, yeah. though, that this is something that's going to continue on Maybe not even in January. If uh, maybe uh, if if it's overturned in June, it becomes a late spring event, which wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, well, you know, um, the, this sounds silly, but you know, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the grease, right? And so people right. still have to continue to vocalize and fight for this. And like I had mentioned before, Senator Santorum earlier, when I was talking to him, he said um, he said, you know, now we have to take this battle to the to the states because it is not over yet. And that's where that's where the battleground is is, is going to be. You know, if, if the Supreme Court makes a decision um, in the sum, spring or summer, you know, the, the battleground is now going to be state level. And it's going to be even more vital now for people to stand up and let the folks in their area in the state know what they want. You know, to that point, how many people were on stage? I'm not sure how much of this you got a chance to see because it's a very large event, right? But, I mean, how many people oh, yeah. on stage were, were governors of states or state, uh, you, know, you know, state officials uh, speaking about that issue? How many people were there that would be part of that fight once, once it does move to the states? You know, I have to be honest with you. Um, I was so busy doing some other interviews behind the scenes yeah. that I actually didn't pay much attention to the politicians that were there this time. But uh, in the late, even the last couple, obviously President Trump. But the, and you know, right. uh, in right. 2019, um, Mrs. Pence was supposed to speak to the crowd. Well, she brought along our friend uh, called her husband to surprise the <laughs> I crowd. That. You know, which was really neat cuz uh, apparently I heard that the story was that they were at his residence at the Naval Observatory and she was getting ready to leave and Vice President Pence uh, called uh, his head of staff uh, for uh, Secret Service into his office and said, uh, "How upset would you guys be if I told you I want to accompany my wife?" down to the March for Life, and they said, well, sir, we kind of figured you were. We already have a plan in place. And so and so they, they had to make some last-minute arrangements. But, you know, that was, it was really cool to have that happen. But, you know, going back to what your question, you know, I didn't really know who it was today. But in the past, you know, there's been some great support. Uh, state Senator from Louisiana, Katrina Jackson, is, is a, she's a black Democrat, pro-life. Right. And she's been very vocal about it. You know, and then, like I said, uh, Senator Rick Santorum was here. Um, I've run into Governor Walker from uh, uh, Wisconsin down here several times. Um, we were at the roast dinner with him a couple of years ago, so he's always out here. I didn't see him today, but he's usually out here with his family, uh, supporting life. And it's a large event, so you may not have seen him. He may he may very well have been there. You may, just may not have seen him. So yes, Matt Beardsley, of course, the relevant radio correspondent to the March for Life. Thanks for getting back on the line with us, bringing us the update from the March for Life. And again, don't forget, folks, about Fast for Life, relevantradio.com slash fast, or on the app, you can join there. I'm Ed Morrissey, filling in for Drew. We'll be right back.